is magical. Welcome to Magic Monday. I'm Tess Whitehurst, spiritual author and spiritual teacher. And I'm Natasha Levenger, energy healer, energy reader, and spiritual coach. And this is a podcast about all the ways we experience and use the magic of the universe in our everyday lives. Hello. It sounded Hello. like you said everyday lives. Everyday lives. It sounded like you added a T to it. Well, maybe I did. <laughs> maybe you did. Maybe it's mysterious. We'll find out in this episode what lives are. Anyway, how's it going? It's going pretty well. I'm doing all right. How are yeah. you doing? Good. Shall we talk about our cards from last week? And Yeah. So last week for, so welcome new listeners. And if you're a new <laughs> listener, this is when we talk about the cards we drew last week for the previous week and how our weeks went. So it's a little check-in. So last week you drew Luminous Warrior from the Mystical Shaman Oracle. And I drew Practice Daily from the Cosmic Dancer Oracle. And yeah, so how did, can you kind of see how that may have manifested yeah, so for you? The, Luminous, Luminous Warrior was like, speak your truth, be authentic, focus on peace, don't enter into anger and discord. And Practice Daily was like, take steps every day, like methodical steps toward what you want to accomplish hmm. kind of thing. Well, I'm definitely taking methodical steps towards what I want to accomplish. I'm working on my, I'm about to, um, do launch my inner child healing class meaning like i'm going to start it's going to open up for enrollment probably in two weeks but i'm also recording a webinar for it so i've been working just on all of that so that has yeah. been happening <clears throat> um the other part is like speaking your truth that's really been happening for me i continue it's really interesting i guess the themes for me this week were like I just keep in. Okay. Last week I had talked about before kind of being challenged with like things that weren't, weren't, um, serving me anymore. And I was like, no, this isn't serving me. And this time this week, it was like, I got, I still had to be like, um, I guess I got an example, let's put it this way, of a friendship where we had really good boundaries and like it was healthy expression of hurt feelings and <clears throat> and it came, it was like, it was just really beautiful actually. Oh yeah, cool. Because it was like an example of what happens when somebody's actually listening to you and also somebody expresses their feelings and like, and then, you know, going back and forth like that as opposed to you know, this is about just the other person, which is what my relationships, I mean, I don't want to say relationships. I, because of growing up with my mother and her narcissism, um, oftentimes there was like one person in my life like that. And it hasn't been that for a while, but then all of a sudden it seemed to be coming back. Little oh, tests, okay. like little tests, like, do you want this in your what do yeah. you think? You think you want this in your life? And I'm like, no, I don't want that in my life. And then the universe was like, here you go. Here's where you are now with these beautiful friendships of like give and take. And so that was really, really nice. Cool. Yeah, that felt really good. Um, and then when we talk to Luis, you'll hear something else that happened where yeah. with, my, with my dad, who I do really love, but 
there's just been some trauma there. So anyway, um, I'm trying to say, think about how to share this in a way that is like helpful to people and not just like saying shit. Um, but I talk about it in the interview you'll hear. Um, but mm-hmm. I feel like in terms of me, it's like more about me caring for myself in a deeper way, learning how to keep doing that in a deeper and deeper way. And then having um, and seeing like, oh, look, you can really when you set boundaries and you, I mean, I already knew this, but it's like next another level. You know what I mean? When you yeah. grow, it's like onions, onions. It's like onions, onions, onions. Onions all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep getting shown different examples, like differently. Yeah. Like, oh, look, now I got to have this level of my life and this. And so yeah. it's just like more of like, oh, hey, I'm safe. I can take care of myself. Even with the most challenging thing, which is like family, you know, family is always the most challenging because that's where the trauma happened. And it's like, that's where the trigger is. Yeah. So Yeah, that seems like very much the luminous warrior. And even the practice daily of just kind of taking that long view of, you know, we take incremental steps Uh, toward healing. That's true. Yeah, exactly. It does work, you know, healing... I mean, it just, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because however I would have dealt with my dad before, if 20 years of working on it daily, you know, would have looked very different. Yeah. And did look very different. Yeah. And what about you? Yeah, I can feel that. um, I mean, those cards do seem so Mercury retrograde to me, too. Kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, be authentic speak your truth look at kind of this a little bit of shadow work there with it it was a luminous warrior reversed and oh, then right. um practice daily is you know just put one foot in front of the other you don't have to do it all at once it's okay if things don't happen as quickly as you think they should um and i do i can see over the past week that i did show up spiritually and in my career to just feel because in the past like i have a blog with a lot a lot a lot of posts on it from over just years decades even yeah. almost a decade over a decade yeah and um of i don't know Mercury if i retrograde, still you mean um no no just i mean i have a oh, huge blog general. with posts that right. i have been posting since forever ago i think i've deleted ones that were from a decade ago but anyway it's got a, it's got like 300 posts on it or something now anyway i often feel like oh i should be editing it i should be keeping it up to date i should all, and 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 then i feel overwhelmed by like i could never finish that like yeah. that'll never be finished yeah. and this week i think i i realized yeah, it won't ever be finished, but that doesn't mean you can't sometimes still go and just little by little do oh, some yeah. maintenance stuff on it. You know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, mean, re- I, th- yeah, oh, I was ahead. just going to say the Mercury retrograde, I've really been feeling it. Have you? Like, I think I have been feeling it not so much as like annoying things that aren't working, even though I've noticed that a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's more, I feel like it's been more internal, kind of having patience with myself, yeah. sort of coming into the present moment, like just, I don't know, stuff like that. Yeah, that's how it was for me when it was in the shadow. It was like, oh, okay, old old stuff coming up being patient now i'm noticing the annoying little things that aren't working mm. you know what i i also i yeah i don't i'm not having that so much with this mercury retrograde but i do with the practice daily i have also been feeling like since in bulk i have been feeling again like 
a joy, a new, a, a renewed joy in manifesting. Because oh. I kind of think like after Samhain, I was like, oh, I'm kind of tired of manifesting. <laughs> like, do you ever get like that? Like, yeah, I don't want to do affirmations today. Like, I don't, mm. I, I have enough. Like, it's yeah. okay. I'm just going to kind of, and I th- I kind of think I was like a going within mm-hmm. sort of thing. And after in bulk, I have been like, oh, okay, let's, let's do some affirmations. Let's manifest some stuff. Like, it's just kind of a, yeah. an energetic shift there. Well, that's interesting because First of all, I have been kind of feeling energetically like February 1st felt more like January 1st this year, like Mm. a new time. And also, apparently with this new moon, again, not an astrologer, but this new moon is supposed to be like really a time, the best time for setting intentions of the whole year. This upcoming one because it's mm-hmm. it's the lunar new year. Yeah, that and it's because Jupiter is coming is going to be conjunct with it, I think, or it's like coming up oh. to, and it's going to come back. Jupiter's going to come back to that place three times and then over the year. And so it's like hitting that point again, oh, like expansion of that point. Yeah. So it is a really good time for manifesting. Oh, okay. I don't know that I actively work on manifesting all I mean, I guess I'm always, like, planning things and doing things, but, yeah, I don't have, like, affirmations. I go through times when I'm like, oh, I I wake up in the morning, and I think of all of the things I want to manifest, and then I listen to affirmations while I exercise, and I open my front door, and I invite in the blessing, you know, like, I, like, love it, and then, and then I got, like, burned out on it for a while, and then now I feel like it's coming back. Yeah, I guess I don't, I don't, I always do my Merkaba meditation in the morning, and I, but I don't do that, what you're talking about. But it sounds fun. Yeah, I mean, I do always, almost always meditate and have that daily practice, even when I'm not in the mood to do all that manifesting. But yeah. sometimes it feels more fun than others. Yeah, I, get I was it. thinking of it like the cycle of the year, kind yeah. of like the soil, like you want to give it time to rest you yeah. know, before you plant something. I thought it was kind of like that. It makes sense that you wouldn't, I mean, that we wouldn't be manifesting all the 12 months. Mm-hmm. Right. It's got to have time to grow. You got to yeah. grow, girl. I don't yeah. know why I said that. Okay. <laughs> Shall we move on to um, our ads? That makes it sound less fun. <laughs> that was like a real good, awkward transition. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> yes, let's move on to our ads. So um, you want to start? Oh, sure. Maybe you can put it in a better way. <laughs> Should I make Brett? Oh no, no, I like it. I, th- I, d- I'm sorry, I didn't okay. criticize it. I no, liked it, I just actually. didn't know if it was too. On it was the nose. very. Authentic. I mean, it is on the nose, but <laughs> I don't pretend to be a slick ad lady. Anyway, it is an ad, but it's also an offering. <laughs> it really is, though. Anyway, what I am talking about is, um, like I said. <laughs> I'm gonna be, oh boy. I'm gonna be doing my inner child healing class. Um, my inner child loves talking. About, I actually do like talking about this. Um, so I think it's gonna be the first week in March. I'm pretty sure that's what. It is. And um, I'm gonna be doing a webinar that I'm actually gonna be recording this weekend on boundaries, which is free. It's like a free masterclass on boundaries and um you get that when you sign up for the um my mailing list and then you'll have an opportunity to sign up for the class i'm only offering the early bird special on for just like one weekend um and it's part of watching this and 
you can get it when you sign up for the master class on boundaries. But that class alone, I just wrote and I'm really excited about that it. That sounds amazing. I love boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> boundaries are fun to talk about. <laughs> if you're like us, geeks. <laughs> Boundary geeks, <laughs> Boundary personal geeks. growth geeks. Um, so anyway, you can um, sign up for the mailing list um, or the inner child healing wait list. Either way, you can you'll find out when that masterclass happens um, at highestlighthealing.com. Is that where? Yeah, that's where yeah. you do it. There's a yeah. little button to say sign up for the waiting list. <sighs> Boy, I okay, not... that was great. That was okay. really. <laughs> I'm sorry I started it out. I did it. I, I liked it. I liked the, um, so now it's time for my ad and, <laughs> and what I am talking about is <laughs> talking about. Um, I have a new book that the ebook, the Kindle book, is available and it is called Little Guide to Protection Magic, Everything You Need to Know, including protection spells. The paper copy will be available very soon. Um, so but right exciting. now Kindle version is up. And I also want to mention that uh, the Good Vibe Tribe Online School of Magical Arts will be reopening enrollment, Ooh. I think, whenever Mercury Retrograde is over. Oh, okay. So <laughs> like that both of us are them. like, I think this is when we're doing this. But wait, hold on. Where can they get the book? Did you tell them? Oh, on Amazon. Oh, or okay. you could go to TessWhitehurst.com and go to the books um, in the menu okay. bar at the top. And um, so, yeah, Good Vibe Tribe, every Tuesday night we do live rituals and web chats. It gives you access to my online workshops, which are self-guided, like video workshops with PDFs. And, um, and it's a really great community, the Facebook group. It's just, it's like truly one of the joys of my life, the, the, the whole group and everything so nice. that we do and we meet and everything. It's really cool. So you can learn about that and get on the waiting list at TessWhitehurst.com and then click on Good Vibe Tribe. All right. That's the end of the ads. The ads so, are done now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So now we're going to talk to Luis Mojica, who we adore. We love this guy. We, we really do. We love uh, talking to him. He's the best. His Instagram, by the way, you should go to it. It's, um, ho- uh-oh. Oh, my God. It's Holistic Life Navigation um, on Instagram. You know what? I better just double check that. That just... sounds right to me. Well, while you're reading his bio, I'll check it. Okay. Um. So, it, yeah, his Instagram is just so full of gold and helpful messages, and it's uh, it's amazing. But I will now read his bio. <laughs> Apparently, I'm announcing everything before I do it. <laughs> so, Luis Mojica is a somatic therapist that helps people release trauma and stress by listening to their bodies. He combines nutrition, herbs, somatic therapy, and self-inquiry to create safe space in the body. From this safety, we're able to learn, transform, and better connect to ourselves and the world around us. So we hope you enjoy our interview. Okay, we are here with Luis Mojica. Luis, welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back. I love being back. 
<laughs> We're so excited to talk to Luis. I was telling before we started, I was telling Luis and Natasha that my inner child all week has been feeling like this is looking forward to a slumber party. Like, yay, we get to talk to Luis. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> So where do you, do you want to ask a question first, Natasha? Oh, well, no, we were just, you were talking before about how um, last time we didn't get to talk about, um, well, but yeah, I was just going to say, I was going to preface it with what you do, but I just realized we already did that. Already did the bio. Forget it. Um, So we didn't get to talk about fawning, the fawning response. I think that's what you were particularly interested in. So trauma response, fight or flight. And then there's also freeze. And then also Luis talks about fawning, which is a really interesting concept to me. So could you talk to us about that? Yeah, um, I'll start with the fight, flight and freeze only because they're so obvious, right? And that's why people love fawning. It's so covert. Mm. Um, So the fight, flight or freeze and the fawn, those are the four primary Uh, trauma responses. And so if we remember from the last talk we had, trauma is when the charge fills the nervous system in response to a perceived or an actual threat. So there's the stimulus, the charge stimulates your, your activates your nervous system. And then from that activation is an expression. And it's going to be one of those four expressions, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Mm. These are all survival expressions. They're not choices. And they're extremely nuanced. So each mm. one, you know, has so many different ways they show up. But the fight, flight, freeze are the easiest to, you know, envision and see in others and see in yourself because fight is just like it sounds. It's fight. It, you're going to feel anger. You're going to feel a lot of tension in the jaw. The hands are going to clench. You're going to want to, the energy is going to want to move out at the threat or against the threat. The flight response, the energy is going to propel you away from the threat or the stimulus. You're going to want to run. Now, intellectually, a flight response can also be talking. You've you met those people that when they get nervous, they just start talking a lot as if you're not mm. even there. And fawning and, and flighting kind of come together there. That's why I say it's very nuanced. Because mm. it's like an energetic flight. Uh, that yeah, that's a good mean? way to put it. Yeah, because there's, I guess, well, I'll start with the physiological responses, right? the physiological response of fight would be to fight, which means that energy, that charge that comes in propels you toward the stimulus or the threat to fight it off. The physiological response of flight, that charge propels you away from the stimulus of the th- or the threat to propel you away from it for safety. Those are the physiological responses. The freeze is a collapse you literally collapse in on yourself Mm. or you just stand there shocked, but there's no movement. You're Mm -hmm. frozen. So those are the physiologies of those three primary trauma responses. Then there's these uh, energetic, as you put it, intellectual is the way some people put it, psychological responses that fall under those. So fight would be like yelling at somebody, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like screw you. Mm-hmm. that's propelling the energy at something yeah. right flight would be talking really fast skirting around something that's scaring you so you're literally like moving the energy away from something yeah right does that make sense yeah and like then, you feel like you're not in your body you're just sort of that's yeah. right and you're never in your body with any of these responses oh. which is very interesting so when when and it's hard to understand that because you we think like okay, if I'm frozen, that's a dissociation that's different than fight or flight. 
The only thing that's different about fight or flight with freeze is there's no movement. So with freeze, the energy isn't going anywhere. It's just okay. shutting you down. Whereas with fight or flight, the energy is at least being used, but you're still not embodied. Mm. And if you can think of a time for yourself, or if you can imagine like a yeah. really loud explosion, let's say, and you jump or a car beeps, and you jump out of the way. You're not in that moment, like feeling your body jump. Your body's just jumping oh, yeah. you. Yeah. Right? Totally. So you're not actually embodied. So mm. any trauma response we have, we're disembodied. And this is where it gets into actual social social justice work. Hmm. We can't really understand and heal that unless you see all the injustice as a disembodied act in addition to a learned act. And, and those things go hand in hand, if that makes sense. So you're saying like the way that we perceive social injustice, like it, that it will help us to be able to see that social injustice is performed outside the body? Is that what you're saying? No, uh, maybe. What I, oh, was, okay. what I was pointing at was, so when I say social injustice, I think of, let's say, like, um, like white police officers killing predominantly black people, right? Yeah, like that yeah. kind of actual crime against humanity. That act is, is two parts. It's a learned threat because it's, it's a racism passed down, a construct mm -hmm. that's learned. So that's uh -huh. one part is, is psychological, intellectually learned. The other part is somatic. So they're disembodied. Oh, right. So when, uh, right, yeah. when that white officer is given the privilege of a gun mm -hmm. and they take their disembodied self with a yeah. gun into yeah. a neighborhood of people they've been taught to be terrified of, Oof. it's why this doesn't go away with just talking yes. about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's really important. And so uh, that's what. How on earth is that ever going to be healed? I mean, well, you know, it's happening. It happens um, sometimes on big levels. There's there's some great police forces who are really progressive or, mm. or holistic, we could even say. Mm. And they have somatic therapists come in and, and teach their officers how to unlearn their, their implicit bias. Mm. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. phenomenal. And that's yeah. what we need. So when I hear social justice, I hear we need to somatically abolish these things mm, yeah. because the, the intellectual is just a way to repress it the body's still holding that mm -hmm. so i went off a bit but i wanted to just bring that yeah. to the macro for a moment so we can see how that right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the, the fawn response is so interesting because it's a social mechanism it's not a fight or flight or freeze necessarily and it is that's why it's so nuanced it's primarily social because it's always a people-pleasing or appeasing social reflex in response to stress or threat or overwhelm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's not just saying, I love your dress. It's I'm saying that because the fear in me in front of you propels mm -hmm. me to say it. Mm -hmm. And that's the big difference. You mean like you feel so uncomfortable not saying something or wanting to be liked or something like that, that you feel like you have to compliment the person. Or This reminds right. me of how um, one reason why cats purr is when they feel Scared. unsafe. Yeah. Mm. When they feel uh, like, and, and they're purring, like, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Mm -hmm. You know? You're right. Yes. We have a cat that we talk about as like a fawner. She fawns all the time oh, because when a brand really? new person comes in, first thing shows she turns on her oh. back and purrs oh, and it's like, so i'm not a so threat lovely. i'm not a threat exactly exactly oh, and that's, that's the cute. real the root of the fawner 
is that statement right there. I'm not a threat. Oh, yeah. And and so when when um you were just talking, Natasha, about uh like I I feel I forget how you how do you just put that? I want you to like me, you were saying. Yeah. The I want you to like me statement that's in the body that's coming out when we're over complimenting or agreeing when we don't want to, or smiling when we don't want us, all those things. That's like the dregs of the original intergenerational root Ugh, because the root hallelujah <laughs> 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 Jesus so the, 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 the original root of the fallen response is just what Tess was saying I'm not a threat now if you think of um, I'll speak I'll speak uh, from my heritage okay so in my Puerto Rican ancestry we're also Taino which is the indigenous people of Puerto Rico and the Caribbean so we have uh, my great-great-grandfather was a mulatto. So he was a black Caribbean man mixed with a Spanish woman that mm -hmm. his father black, his mother, mother Spanish. Yeah. So it made this, you know, mixed as they would call it a mulatto on his birth certificate. Hmm. So his family from that place for generations had to hide that, right? Yeah, there yeah. had to be, you couldn't own that fully. Yeah. And then when my grandfather moved to the United States or immigrated here like 70 years ago, he dealt with a lot of racism for the first mm. 30 years, probably. Mm -hmm. So he learned that his fond response was, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be really clean. I'm never going to hide a Puerto I'm never going to hang a Puerto Rican flag. Oh, I'm not yeah. going to use my language. And mm. I'm going to do a really good job of work. I'm going to like over, over succeed. And that's how he found his safety. So his mechanism came from actual threat through his lineage if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah that, that's the piece that's important so all of us and we've experienced threat too you know depending on our situations especially sexual violence you'll fall mm -hmm. often around that mm -hmm. but even if we haven't it's passed down through the lineage because it's social so it's a learned social reflex oh, yeah. does that make sense or is that yeah yeah okay. yeah yeah so when i i, I mean I'm thinking of when I do like events, big public events, like pagan gatherings where I'm presenting as an author. I, I mean, I, in the past, I've thought of it as I'm an empath. So I feel like overwhelmed by crowds, but when we're talking about fawning, I think I might have a fawn response too. like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm a performer. I'm a headliner. I should be smiling listening to everybody's stories you know and that then I feel so drained that I just want to go back to my hotel room and just lay there I can't even really pay attention to a show <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so is that would you think of that as being fawning maybe oh yes yes yeah. I love that mm. you can see that because the 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 way you know you're fawning is the the result of fawning is extreme exhaustion from yeah. boundary break yeah. Because if you're on a stage smiling when you don't want to, if you're a waitress or right. a waiter and you're yeah. like, they're That'd like, this, this food sucks. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll right. bring it back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> your boundaries are constantly being bypassed with the smile, which tells yeah. the other party I'm interested in you, but your body's actually saying, I want nothing to do with you. Oh. So what happens physiologically with fawning, this is why it gets very nuanced is your mouth and your body and your words and your energy are doing something opposite of what your internal truth is doing is wanting or saying yeah i feel like i don't even lit i mean in the in the past i feel mm -hmm. like now this is a potential for me to maybe learn a new way to deal with it but mm -hmm. it's like i don't even 
listen to what, what, is, what am I really feeling? What feels organic to me? It's like, oh, well, this is my job. Here I am. Who wants to talk to me? What do I, how can I, mm-hmm. you know, be there for them? So what in a situation like that, what, what, how would I shift that? It's so, it's so, it's such an amazing question. I mean, do you want to dive into it for like personally yes. for a moment? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes, you will test. Okay. So <laughs> tell like, give us the example, like where you are on the stage, what's happening. Well, you know, when I'm actually performing or when I'm, you know, speaking, I love doing that. That that feels great. But it's more like when I'm in between that, when it's like, oh, the presenters that should eat like this often, like, oh, you should go eat dinner with oh, all the God. people who are here and you should, Fine. you know, find out where they're from and, and sign books, but also ask them about themselves. And like, and not that I don't like meeting people. I don't want people to think I don't. I do. It's just that it's the way that I behave where I, I do bypass my own truth in those moments and I would like and also you're like assaulted with I mean this is how I feel because I used to do this when I would go to brony cons because I anyway Natasha was a writer on my little pony I don't know if you know that and I and they have these things called brony cons where it was like a you know what what is it like a comic con for Mm-hmm. I've been to those. Fans. Anyway, oh yeah. Not the, not but, a brony comp. Oh, <laughs> you like that show too? It's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> anyway, it it felt to me like a real. I'm realizing now it's probably because of the fawning thing. It felt like an assault, and oh, also you know, like. So this, did you have it too? Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Also, yeah. I just want to say a real quick story. I wonder if this is similar to it. One time, I wrote this thing that. Um, Jerry Orbach was in, <laughs> um, and you know the guy from Law and Order. No, you, uh, he was in Dirty Dancing. He was Baby's father in Dirty Dancing. Okay, I'm not remembering I his face specifically, yeah, but that is hilarious that you guys don't remember this because <laughs> I was out there with him, and literally everybody was paying attention to him. Like young people, old people, middle age. Like there wasn't anybody that didn't recognize this guy, and. I was exhausted oh, and okay. I was sitting next to him. That's all I was doing was uh, next to him. And I was like, and then at one point they were like, Jerry, um, do you want to go downstairs? Will you have a break, like away from everybody? I was like, yes, I, I accidentally <laughs> answered for it. <laughs> I was like, yes. And then he was like, oh, no, no, no. Cause he loved it. Cause he enjoyed yeah. like he, that to him, like fed him to me, just even being in his orbit. I was like, holy shit, this mm. is terrible. So anyway, I didn't mean to well, that, that over, no, but... We can use both of your experiences. Actually. I have very similar ones. Uh, you know, I, I toured in a band that was like cult famous. Oh. And so people were like really very aligned with the singer of this band. Oh. And so when, when we would do meet and greets at the end of a concert, I remember I was like her bouncer. That was my job. So I'd be standing there <laughs> <laughs> and people would be coming up. And I remember she looked at me on point and she goes, my face hurts from smiling. And it was like, that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's the fawn. <laughs> that's yeah. the fawner. Yeah. So but then she got really good at just being very honest with people, which was very uncomfortable for them. And this yeah. is the, this is part two. If yeah. we think of all of our situations where there we are, you know, speaking to somebody, it can be our best friend or it can be our clients or our audience, whoever it is. When we start to feel that internal sensation of constriction, like let's just meditate on that. Like find the time 
and everyone listening can do this too. Find a time recently or whatever comes to your mind of you wanting to be done with an interaction, but you keep going because you're really afraid of hurting the other person's feelings or making them angry or being unsafe. It can be any of those things. And I want you two to tell me where you feel that sensation in your body when you bypass that spot that says I'm done. To me, I feel it like in my like, I guess heart chakra area. Like, What does it feel like for you? <clears throat> it feels like a constriction, like, uh, like a tightness. Yeah. Beautiful. So let's just stay with that and test where do you, where does yours come up? Uh, it's like behind my eyes, but also my heart. It's kind of like I realize the feeling of crying, sort of. Mm. Mm-hmm. And even what was amazing is um, you put your hands up like this when you said that, mm. right? And that's like the physiology of a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you said it felt like crying, crying tells us that we're overwhelmed. You know, we, we yes. think crying is like an integration of trauma charge. Crying is a release of overwhelm that leads to integration, oh but it's not yes. itself integrated. Like it's the release. This is like what, ha- am I talking too much about myself? Like I want you to be able not to for me. teach people. Well, I'll just say yesterday I had an experience where um, I, well, it was basically the same thing where I was anticipating something bad happening and then it didn't happen but I realized as it was happening the anticipation I was like oh this is my inner child she feels like like she's not safe again like she's back in that time period again and I was able to comfort myself and give myself that but then as soon as I heard the message from the person and I knew everything was fine I just let out, I just started crying, which I hardly ever cry, actually. And Tess was like, good job, you cried when I told her. (laughs) But I really, I felt it because I was like, it was actually like, oh my God. It's, I felt sad for myself that I had put myself through that whole thing of like things. And that, and that, that little part of me felt so scared, you know, and it felt like a release of that fear and that anyway it was like a relief that's right when you say i felt so sad for myself that i put myself through that that's what happens for the fawner because when when you're like in an actual threat like let's say like you're being held hostage or someone you know is considering assaulting you and you go into the fawn response that's like a perfect time to do that. That's mm. when you want to be inauthentic. That's when you mm. want to manipulate. Right. And that's where that's why the fawn response exists. Because when we think some, we can socially manipulate someone out of hurting us, this includes children who are raised by people who suddenly snap and abuse them. Yeah. You know, they think, well, if I set the table, if I do all my chores, it's like, how can I modulate this person's behavior? Yeah. Right. That's the root of the fawn. However, when I was saying about the dregs of it earlier, when that hasn't fully been realized in your body and you think it's your identity, like I'm a nice person, I don't hurt people's feelings, the fawning response then turns into identity, which gets Mm. passed down through society. Uh, And then we're actually going into survival response when we're completely safe. And in those situations, we're consistently breaking our own boundaries. So when you two felt that pressure and you're like, you felt the constriction in your heart and your heart chakra, 
and you felt the behind your eyes. You said, I think you said your chest as well. Yeah, that, that crying feeling. So yeah, chest, yes. eyes, yeah. And what you, if we really notice when we feel into those places, what we're noticing is our, our viscera, you know, the internal organs and, and ligaments, they are doing what we are not doing. They're saying no. And the body is, is constricting mm. and hardening because it's trying to create a boundary because you are not doing it. Oh, it's so interesting because it did, it took me a moment to tap in because it was like, well, when I think about being in that situation, I'm not in, I'm not in touch with how I feel. So it took me a moment to kind of be like, what is my body doing? That's right. Then that's the piece right there. Like earlier when we were talking about social justice and reform and such, you can't do any of this work fully unless it's an embodied practice. Ah. Because if you are embodied, you simply cannot inflict harm. It can't happen. It hurts too much. Like you won't do it. And if you're embodied, you won't fawn because you'll notice, ooh, something's saying no. I'm in front of an audience. There's no threat here. I'm allowed to say no. Hmm. versus, you know, I have a gun. I can't, someone has a gun up to me. I can't say no, right? We have to embody so we can tell the difference between perceived threat and actual in the moment threat. So but what happens if you can, <clears throat> like yesterday, when you can, I'll just say it because he doesn't listen to this. This was about my dad, <laughs> who I did have to like fawn around my whole life. And so I was noticing like, okay, I'm having that reaction of, I need to fun. I need to call my back or he's going to get upset with me or maybe mm-hmm. he's already upset with me. And so I was like, I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to notice the fear, but it was still so strong. That fear is still, was still so strong. I was able to notice it and parent myself, but it was as if the threat was still happening. That's even exactly though- right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we call that an overcoupling. So when it's as, when those words, as if there's a threat happening, that means threat is being overcoupled with something else. So my favorite exercise for that is when you're in the moment and you feel threatened, you literally just show your body, your room right now. You just like look around Mm. and you turn your head a lot, like especially twisting into the spine Mm. and it just starts to, you start to feel even a little regulation right now as you do it. Mm-hmm. Because your eyes and your body are noticing, okay, there's no, no one's behind me. No one's above me. The ceiling, like everything's present. Mm. And even if you're still feeling the fear, you now have that awareness of the fear isn't in this room, right? The fear is somewhere else. Right. That's what With I was you, it's historical. Yes. I it's was doing memory. that. I was like, you're safe here. This is happening now. Mm-hmm. Like, look where you are right now. It's just Yeah. Crazy. So your mind was aware of of that you were perceiving threat your mind knew that but your body was still existing in the threat yes and that happens it takes time for that to to completely come apart but at least you were you were mindful about that and embodied that's the first step so the so in a a situation like a public situation like the like a pagan gathering where i'm a presenter is it it's not like it wouldn't be like oh well i'll just act this way it would be more like well, let me look around, let me breathe, let me mm-hmm. feel my feelings and then do what I, whatever feels natural to me, right? Or, or That's even, it. is it even like if there is a social expectation that I feel like I still need to fulfill that it would be different if I did it with awareness? Well, give me your example of what that would look like for you. Well, you mean like a social, fo- social mm-hmm. obligation I still need to fulfill? Well, like that if I feel like, okay, I know that it's the expectation that I will be 
attending this party after I do already did three presented presentations today, you know, like that. And not, not only just being there, but talking to people and dancing and, you know, schmoozing. Dancing. Like they force you to dance. If you don't well, want. I didn't get forced to, but, they, but <laughs> it still was like a, a yeah. ball where there, I mean, I'm just thinking about yeah. this, this one particular situation. Um, so, so I'm going to, I'm going to pause you there. If you said no, would that ruin your, your career? Like, would they not bring you back? Like what, what would the oh, no maybe. do? I mean, it's possible. They'd be like, oh, we had Tesla's here and she just stayed in her room the whole time whenever she wasn't <laughs> presenting. So we're not inviting her back, which is, which would be okay, I guess. That, okay. What you're saying is so important because you're saying two things that I think everyone should hear that, that it's really important. The first is, okay moment by moment, because I'm embodied, I move naturally from where my body is. That's number one. That's the ideal. Because I don't like giving people these standard boundaries because we're, we're not fixed creatures. Mm -hmm. So to say, Tess, never go to a dance again. Like right. that's ridiculous. Because right. there's going to be times you're going to want to. Mm -hmm. But the times it, you don't, right? Yeah. Are you able to move from that? No. And what would keep you from moving from the no? That's the question. Um what would keep me from saying no to that something like that yeah mm -hmm. i guess the like well i signed this contract this is the expectation the social expectation and then maybe the fear of being you know not thought of as the best guest yes there it is so what's really great about that is when you're signing the contract what it would feel like to say, I cannot wait to come. And just so you know, sometimes I don't want to see anybody when I'm presenting. Uh, yeah. Are you okay with that? Yeah. And like, what I like would that, that be like? Yeah. Does that feel good in the body? Is there a fear of even saying that? No, it feels really good. I like oh, good. that idea. Because then if they're like, yeah, no, we do want you to go to the parties and talk to the guests. Be like, oh, okay, well, now we know. Yes, yes, and now we know. <laughs> and then you can say, well, okay, I, I fulfilled this obligation. I don't want to talk to the guests, but I said I will. So I'm going to go talk to the guest, and then I'm going to be with the part of myself that's pissed off that I went and talked to the guest. Uh, uh -huh. Or you could, I feel like you could even have a little chat with your inner child before that. Like, does this feel good to you? Like, this is what we're going to do. Uh-huh. You know, I love that. and then yeah, and I also feel like all of this makes it more likely that I would genuinely want to go to the party. Mm. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. I'd be it. like, I get to pick, you know. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah. But it really comes down to the story we tell ourselves <laughs> about the no, like what what's okay. going to happen to us if we're honest. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the thing the is, like, sometimes people do the whole reason I have this fear with my dad present day is because I decided to not fun. Two years ago, I was like, I realized it in this meditation. I mean, that doesn't matter, but I realized that I was fawning. And then I was like, oh, next time I see him, I'm not going to do that. So I didn't do it at all. Mm -hmm. And he lost his shit, like didn't speak to me for almost a year. So now it's like whenever the phone call comes in, I'm like, you survived the year. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You just You're highlighted okay. a really important part as well, like with the with the societal learned aspect. Mm -hmm. Is there, there we, in our society in America at least? This is not true for everywhere else in the world, but in America especially, we are so rewarded when we fawn. Yes. So we're and we're we're negatively enforced when we don't. Mm. So like that experience you had with your father, you know that that would be your experience in many other circles. Be and so from that the fawner or the we can even call it like the 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 hypnosis you know the the mass hypnosis around needing to fawn 
comes from that overcoupled statement, which means my truth equals threat or my truth equals mm-hmm. abandonment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where we fall from socially, right? Mm-hmm. This is yeah. fascinating. It is. <laughs> I love it. Peer yeah. pressure, all these things are fawning. It's such a big part of our society. Yeah. And it's so yeah. healing. I feel like it's so healing the idea of not doing that, like emanating Gosh. that, modeling that. Amazing. And you know what's weird? Like my daughter doesn't do that at all. (laughs) Like not one teeny. Even with like, um, I remember like when she, now she's 14 and she doesn't even do it with like the popular girls who like wanted to be her friend. And then she was like, I just don't like them. So then she just Mm. didn't sit with them and she didn't Mm. even care. Mm, Good (laughs) job. You know, that's amazing. Because that's what you- My favorite part of the fawning um, embodiment and healing fawning is with parents and their kids, because that's where we teach it the most. And it's always the like, hug your uncle, smile in this photo, sit still, like we're telling them to override their bodies, right? Yeah. Yeah. When when she was um, a baby, she never used to smile at anybody. And I was like, (laughs) okay, I just have to be real comfortable that people are going to want her to smile and she's just not going to smile. So like the grocery, we have this, my favorite pictures of hers when we were going through Taco Bell one time and she was just like staring down. <laughs> every parent like listening perfect. to you that's the work as the parent is you have to be comfortable in your body when your child is honest and yes. when that honesty makes another adult uncomfortable oh yeah because we use our children to make us feel more comfortable when someone else is uncomfortable and that's where fawning gets taught mm, so maybe that's that, so i'll good. just take all the credit then that's why take she it. doesn't fawn to this day enjoy, enjoy it please in- <laughs> an infant all those cashiers at the grocery stores yes yes bells. i was like oh she's just not gonna do it and then with my son though he's naturally um just like smiled at everyone i was like oh this i get to not have to practice this i'm feeling mm, comfortable awesome. i love that that's so nice Anywho, this is real fascinating. I can't believe it. time flies with you, Luis. It's never enough time. I do want to ask one last question um, from last time that I, or maybe, I don't know if you did this last time, but you were talking about how it's important to like not close your eyes when you're trying to become like aware of your body, I guess. Is that- so- yeah, partially. So you don't want to close your eyes when you're working with overwhelm and activation specifically. So when okay. you're closing your eyes to ground, that's beautiful. Oh, okay. But when you're getting activated, when you feel triggered or a charge coming up and you close your eyes, you lose your environment that tells you you're safe oh. and you're only stuck with charge. And that's where people get more overwhelmed often. Interesting. Okay. So here's a weird question, but like when I... um play like the violin or the piano even I have when I close my eyes then Mm. I can feel like the notes I can get get it but if my eyes are open I feel overwhelmed Mm. and I can't I can't find it well you're talking about an experience of first of all an experience that's intuitive like music and music is a spirit so I even see that as like a co-regulating experience so that's like an intimate experience that's much different from being triggered oh okay so if you're sitting in a chair and let's say you're working with me and you're saying oh my god my mother did this thing 
and, and you start getting really heightened, you start crying. And let's say I say, okay, let's go into the body and feel that. And you close your eyes. You're just stuck with all that overwhelm. Uh, when your eyes are open and you're looking at something pleasant, that something pleasant is actually helping your body co-regulate to your mm. present moment and give you some resource mm. to deal with the overwhelm. Okay. Not so 100% it, of the time, but most of the time. So would that be useful also with freeze? Because I have recently realized that I have freeze response with trauma. Natasha helped me realize it where oh, I'm like, oh, it's fine. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, they're storming the Capitol. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't watching it. Like I just kind of... <laughs> and, and so would like, if I realize that, would that be a good way to kind of like look around and breathe and like feel my body and absolutely okay. freeze is one of the best ways to come out of freeze is just really slowly taking in your environment okay freeze again freeze happens when your body doesn't think it can survive mm -hmm. so if you're stuck in a freeze you've had intergenerational or your own trauma that comes from those experiences fight or flight your body assesses i can fight this off or i can run this off freeze says i have to play dead i can't do anything about uh, it yeah so it's, it's, a, it's one of the most traumatizing responses because you get stuck and you believe you're going to die. I mean, could it also yeah. be useful in the way that, because I was thinking it might be tied to my uh, family has had funeral chapels for generations. And I thought I kind of tapped into this generational thing of like, okay, everyone else can freak out, but we got to go get the bodies. And I mean, I never did that, but I still, you know, observed my mm -hmm. family members who did do that. And um, so could that also be a function of freeze is like, I, I'll deal with the trauma later right now. I got to like actually do some stuff. You know, I, I see that as such a, a, an experience of a part gets frozen, oh. right? Like you're still talking, you're still moving, but your yeah. emotions get frozen. And yeah. You bypass your own vulnerability, let's say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Interesting. Completely. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Nuanced for sure. Very nuanced. I could talk to you two forever. So, it's so easy and fun. I know. We feel, we feel the come same. Back all the time. Anytime. <laughs> I'll be always time. here. Yeah, just let us know. <laughs> great. <laughs> Sounds great to me. Um, but before you go, tell us, or if you want to, do you want to talk about the class that you're going to be, or mention it? At mention least? it, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, at least I'm mention like it's it. A, it's like a taboo secret I don't want to talk about. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be taking it, full disclosure. Oh, no way. The, oh, the next yeah, one? I the up spring already. one? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. There. I'm so excited. Cannot so wait. it's a six-week course. It's, it's one of my favorite offerings ever because everybody gets to learn how to walk themselves through this. So it's different than having sessions with people. And I work with a big, beautiful group of people. And it's six weeks and we meet twice a week. So we meet on a Sunday for 90 minutes and that's a lecture and like a demonstration. And we meet on a Wednesday for an hour and that's where we practice and we ask questions. And then in between there's a, it's called like a Slack space. It's like an online chat room essentially that's not connected to any kind of social media and it's private. And so any day of the week, someone can go in there with an experience or a question or ask for support from their fellow students. And it's just a great way to create like a community foundation. But we cool. work on the whole we work on trauma as like a, a spirit, an animal, a body. It's not just oh, wow. like fight, flight, freeze, but it's experiential. Diet, we talk about nutrition, we talk about co-regulation, and we talk about self-regulation. And you essentially, by the end of the six weeks, you're, you learn how to feel your nervous system and understand where the origins come from and what to do with it. 
So it's, it's you become a superhero awful. by the end. You become a basically, right? That's why I signed up. So if that's okay, not, okay. I actually never promise not. anything. No? <laughs> no. All right. I just promise I that, that we're going to connect. <laughs> <laughs> but I could see you becoming a superhero. At the oh, end of thank you. Could we'll happen. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank again you so much. Here. Yeah. Thank you Love both that. for having me. Okay, and now that we're back from the interview, I would like to say that Louise's Instagram is holistic.life.navigation. Okay, so I was pretty great. I yeah. just said I was pretty great. You were great <laughs> at almost getting right. <laughs> oh my God. I, if I were to have a tombstone, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> Natasha Levenger, she was pretty great at almost getting it right. <laughs> I meant to say I was pretty right. I think that you can put in holistic life navigation and you don't need those dots. He'll show up. You're probably just fine. Okay. Fine. You know what was funny (laughs) is one of my things I was working on this week was being okay with not being, um, with making mistakes and not being right. Oh, yeah. Because we made that apology last week. Well, that was part of it yeah I think that was really cool like whatever I went through to do that too I mean that was (laughs) yeah I mean it was interesting because that didn't even occur to me until after because I had a couple of other things believe it or not I mean more than one mistake last week (laughs) I mean I know it's hard to imagine I'll just take a moment for you to lift your job off the floor but um so I was noticing like my reaction and like really coming in with more love for myself about like um because in my you know growing up yana 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 (laughs) I was not allowed to make mistakes but there was a lot of like tension my mother felt this with herself as well and my dad is like this too like they are very hard on themselves Mm mm-hmm my mother's no longer alive, so she's not hard on herself anymore. In fact, she laughs most of the time. Um, but I, um, but that's totally in my bones. This thing of like make mistakes, you know. And so, giving my inner child a lot of love around that this week has been super helpful. Yeah, yeah. I just I loved the freedom of like yeah. Sometimes I'll say something on the podcast that will not be right and then I can apologize and like yeah. there's the freedom of that of like and I can have compassion with myself and I can acknowledge that because then it's like oh and I can like learn as I go through life yeah do my best and that's sometimes well there'll be mistakes involved yeah and sometimes just, people a- will be upset and then sometimes people will forgive and whatever it is it's like nobody is perfect well yeah we all just that's what the best we can do is to show yeah. up and do our best and that's even and part as of we the go. Process. Yeah. And that's part of the process, too, is to, like, make mistakes and then learn from them and grow mm-hmm. even more because of that. Yeah. Brett, our producer, Brett, who I only know from producing, said a few <laughs> times <laughs> that he felt like it was good that happened. What? It, the apology? The mistake that it happened in the first place. If you don't know oh. what we're talking about. You can listen to last week's episode. So the last two episodes. Um, or just the even last week. And then we week. apologize for the mistake. You can just listen to the apology. Oh. I mean, because you say what You can listen to is. the mistake. Sure, you can. I'm just saying you don't have to to get caught yeah, up. Yeah, no, you'll, yeah, you'll still know. Um, anyway, just that it happened, the whole thing, like, 
us showing up making mistakes, but also to mostly that we had that conversation about how mental health is like important thing and there's nothing wrong with it. And, you know, I mean, it's so interesting that we even had that because I talk about that all the time anyway, about like, I'm Mm -hmm. very open about my, I mean, we we both are talk about our mental health. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just loved how we had a listener that was so compassionate who knew exactly how, you know, like that, that relationship with our listeners, that felt really cool, too. Because then people talked about it on our Facebook page. Yeah. Anyway, it was, it was, it was really nice. And actually, this goes along with the energy report. Oh, wait. Uh. But just first. Did the last part. What do you mean? I, have <laughs> I thought we had questions. Shit. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I finally did it without stopping. Okay. You're right. We do have questions. Okay. It's time for questions. <laughs> thought I'd make it a thing. <laughs> I wonder if I'll have a, a, sound, a little sound effect for that. <laughs> oh, dear. Dear, dear. Okay. Well, the first question is... um. Again, from our baby witch board, uh, it's not our baby witch board. It's our subreddit. Yeah, we don't we don't have any ownership over it. No ownership, but I just thought I'd go on there and ask them <laughs> because because people do have these questions. So, um, the question basically is just about. <clears throat> she said. Um, that she would love answers about, or they, I actually don't know their gender, um, they would love answers about candle magic, how to burn, read them after, colors, etc. And I was telling you earlier that candle magic has come up three times this week, so I'm mm. definitely, I know very basic stuff. I misunderstood this question when I first read it. I was like, what is she? I thought she meant that like when you burn a candle and it burns a certain way or something. Oh yeah, I think she does. Oh okay. That, he he she they uh, mm-hmm. yeah is talking about w- the reading it part of it. Okay, so <laughs> you what do you have to say about it? Okay, well, so I'll just kind <laughs> of talk magic. about some general candle <laughs> magic basics. It sounds like that's what the question is about. Mm-hmm. I I will say as far as reading the candle. So this is, we'll start with this. So this is when you, when you do candle magic, which we'll talk about more in a moment, if you light the candle and then maybe it goes out or it melts in a certain way. And some witches, really, that's a really important thing that Mm. they look at and they think about. And so I'm not one of those witches. I mean, that. so I can't talk to you about all those details. I do believe that people can get information from that, and especially if they feel drawn to that. I, For me, it's more like if I light the candle and it goes out really early and then doesn't light again, I probably will read something into that. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe maybe this isn't the time or maybe I need to approach this magic in a different way or maybe there's something I'm not seeing that Mm -hmm. usually doesn't happen. And I also kind of, I think, I believe if I phrase, if I I tune into my uh, intention in the right way and I phrase it in a way that feels resonant to me, that I don't need to worry about like which side of the candle melts more this than the other This is how side. I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, unless you're getting a really strong intuition, like, wait a minute. Yeah. This means. Yeah. Like yeah. sometimes with spells, there can be stuff like that. Like I remember, 
this time my dad kept wanting me to do a spell for him for this oh situation and I was really resistant but he just kept being like you gotta do me a spell you gotta do me a spell and I was like gotta do me a spell he, oh yeah he's <laughs> <laughs> and I was finally like oh okay I mean this was a long time ago so I wasn't as experienced like now I'd be like no dad I really strongly have the intuition that this is not appropriate we need to look, let's talk about something else but <laughs> I, at Change that time, the subject. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about, you know, approaching it in a different I way see, is what I, I mean. Like, not just change the subject. <laughs> but at that time, I mean, I was probably like 26 or something like that. And I remember, and, and so that was like however many years ago mm-hmm. that was. I'm 43 now. Um, I was like, okay, I just should just do the spell. And so I lived at, on Venice Beach at that time. So I went out to the beach to do the spell against my intuition and Mm. then when I got out there there was a dead seal like a big dead seal right on the beach right where I was gonna sit and do it so I just then I just turned around and I was like nope I knew it yeah (laughs) (laughs) doesn't take much to let you know what's up (laughs) it's one dead um, seal so like you know that's what I kind of with with intuition like that with a candle, if it's really obvious, I mean, if it's like the glass breaks right away or something like out yeah. of the ordinary, then you could look into it. But yeah, other than that, I don't really read too, too much into the candles. And But other candle magic stuff, let's talk about uh, colors. Mm-hmm. So you can use white pretty much for anything. You can always follow your intuition, but white is kind of thought of as interchangeable. If you need to do a spell and you have a white candle, you can usually use it. Uh, Red, I use red for success or things that need courage or Mm. maybe like power or activation. It's a very active color. Um, Orange, I think I would use orange for things. I might use it for abundance, like sort of like for harvest season abundance, Mm. maybe second chakra stuff. So Mm -hmm. that would be like the womb area. That could even be creativity. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sexuality too. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yellow. uh, What would I use yellow for? I don't often use yellows oh i know for like mental stuff like the air element like if it was i i mean i guess i don't use that much because i don't take tests very often but it would be like for Mm -hmm. taking a test or if i really wanted to focus i don't usually have trouble focusing on writing but if i did Mm -hmm. i would use maybe use a yellow candle to help me me stay focused on it yeah yellow feels abundant to me Mm-hmm. So again, use your int. Like it feels like light, you know, like mm-hmm. light spirit, and a, like the sun. It feels. I guess it feels like abundant. Oh yeah, the sun. It could be yeah. good for if you, especially if you do candle magic on Sunday and you want to align with the energy of the sun, or do a, like a take a bath and light a candle on Sunday. And then bring in that sunlight energy, brightness, joy, shifting out of depression kind of thing. Um, Green, definitely abundance, growth, and health and wellness, healing. Blue would be dreams, intuition, and also joy. So you can tap in. It could be that if you want to do a spell for joy, maybe teal, maybe Mm. uh, Maybe yellow or maybe blue. You kind of tap in and see what feels right to you. And then, of course, you could also align it with the moon phase. 
So if it's like the moon is in a water sign and you want to do a spell for joy, then maybe blue. And if this the moon is in an air sign and you want to do a spell for joy, then maybe yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an overview. I'm not telling you all the stuff there is about candle magic. But so money purple. could be green. Oh, yeah, money. Oh, yeah, I did say abundance. Then expansion of abundance mm-hmm. would be. That would be a great one, green. You mm-hmm. could also use red, too. Yeah. And then purple could also be an abundance color. It, purple can be cleansing, and white can also be cleansing. I feel like purple for me, I guess, because of the, like, the um, crown chakra. And so it feels like connecting to spirit. To spirit, me yeah. too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Spirit, divine energy, goddess energy. Yeah, goddess, it feels right. Yeah, and, abundant, and, and magic to me, it's like the color of magic. So if you want to enhance your magic. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're a baby, which you may want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, those are that's just an overview. And then I love, I do want to talk about the dynamic of candle magic that is so helpful. And I think it's especially helpful probably for baby witches, but for everybody, mm-hmm. is the way that you can empower the wax, the candle itself, with your intention. And then mm-hmm. when you light the candle and the candle burns, it has that physical dynamic of the wax melting, disappearing into the air. Mm. So it's like you have that visual and actual like physical representation of holding, like solidifying your intention and Mm -hmm. then letting that intention go. Because we like we talked about last week, that's such an important dynamic in magic is you set the intention, you have it very clearly, you feel joy around it, you feel gratitude around it, and then you let it go and you know you set the intention. It's going where it, the magic's going where it needs to go. Yeah, it's going to boomerang say, back to me. When you say let it go, you don't mean like um, forget about it. You mean let it go to the universe, let it go mm-hmm. to do its thing, giving yeah, it so over like, to the drop- co-creation that with – with the universe yeah so like dropping the letter in the mailbox yeah you're not like i don't care about that letter you're like right. oh i care about that letter but i have to let it physically <laughs> let it go so it can go where it needs to go yeah <laughs> and that in the whole it's just a very cool um representation of that because it's going into the invisible realm that yeah. that wax and you're in when you so so always begin your candle magic by holding the candle in both hands your hands are really powerful you can bring the intention into your heart into your mind energetically and then you can send that energy through your arms into your hands into the candle and you can imagine it pulsating with light and energy with all that energy of your intention and then when that feels complete then you set it down on your altar or wherever you're setting it and you light it I like it. And you can also, one time, um, or I've done this a few times, like infused it with things like certain oils or or stones. You stick them mm-hmm. in there and yeah. <clears throat> with your intentions. and You can uh, create your own candles if you're a crafty mm-hmm. person with pa- the patience to do that. Not me. Which I am not. <laughs> me either. Or I used to be when I first started doing yeah. magic. I made my own candles. but And maybe that'll come back. Who knows? But yeah, I have done it like with a group before, which is fun, like to decorate the outside and stuff. Also, at the dollar oh. store, by the way, if you get lucky, they have lots of different can- like just single color candles for a dollar. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, and little, I do like sometimes those little spell candles are very small and then they, you can often get them at magical supply places and they can come in all different colors and it's cool to have a, have those stocked. So if mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I'm just going to burn a candle for money, you just pull out a green one and you put it yeah. in the little candle holder and then it burns all the way down in, you know, an hour or something. Yeah. Those are really helpful. But I do want to mention that... A couple things. You may want to pay attention to getting soy or vegetable wax so it's cleaner burning. Those little mm. ones are usually probably not that. Mm. Um, and then I often like for spells, I often like to let the candle burn all the way down. But you don't want to leave it burning if you go leave yeah. the house or go to sleep or something like mm-hmm. that. So okay. totally fine to light the candle and let it burn while you can keep an eye on it and then extinguish it while you can't and then light it again while you can until it burns all the way down. The magic is in yeah. motion. You've set the momentum. You don't have to worry about just letting it burn all the way down even if it's unsafe. Yeah, and um, I've heard, I don't know if this is like, um, what's it called, superstitious, but I like to do it anyway, is like you when you're doing that you use a candle snuffer instead of blowing it out mm-hmm. so that it's just like not like blowing out the intention kind of thing yeah it's- i've heard that too and sometimes i do that and other times i blow it out but when i blow it out i make sure to imagine like oh the magic is it's going where it needs to go like instead yeah. of imagining like oh i'm blowing the magic out exactly. i imagine i'm blowing the magic where it needs to go so that i think it like depends on how you envision the dynamic of that i agree and i think everything comes down to attention intention yeah all right um so our next question last question is from carolyn who says when does free will play into astrology um, hello, lovelies. To give you a slight context, my partner and I have been married for two years and are in a really great place in our relationship. We are in the beginnings of talking about pursuing a long dream of ours of moving from Canada to the UK for a few years. I've got family there and I have this energetic pull toward the southwest of England in a way that I just feel like my soul and heart resides there somehow. However, a friend of mine showed me the link to check your astrocartography chart, and I'm slightly freaked out. After taking a look at the results in my chart in the specific area in England that we want to move to, it's only showing bad news, so to speak. It talks about the possibility of isolation, loneliness, painful separation, needing to involve marriage counseling and therapists. So now I'm self-aware enough to know that I have free will when it comes to any readings or astrology or spells or anything, but I can't seem to shake this. I'm so annoyed that this is what the chart said when my intuition is urging us to go and explore and that I have such a strong feeling we'll find our tribe there, so to speak. What are your suggestions in navigating, hearing, or interpreting bad news when it comes to readings and astrology? Thank you so much for all your help and for all you do in the podcast. I'm a huge fan of the show. Many blessings, Carolyn. Mm, Good Uh, question. Yeah. You want to start? Sure. Um, I mean, I always say intuition is everything. So what I have to, my suggestions in navigating hearing bad news, I mean, like, I'll just say I completely understand that feeling. Um, I've had that before with astrology, too, sometimes to the point where I'm like, I love astrology, but 
maybe I don't want to read it anymore because it it can it can put me in a bad mood sometimes and it never actually has come to fruition where it's like I mean even in the good stuff like I remember I got this one reading where someone was like you're gonna probably come into a lot of money in May and then actually I started to freak out I was like oh shit Brett's gonna get fired um and and then we're gonna get like a big severance pay or something like that this was a few years ago and none of that happened um so the astrology I just like I do love astrology for feeling into it especially as I feel into it intuitively like when I feel into the planets it feels good to like get a sense of where they're coming from and but I don't know. I just feel like anything with predictor. I mean, I always say when I do my own readings, I never predict the future. Like I can read into the energy sometimes, but it's like, it's just, there's you, if it's like a week ahead, sometimes I can feel into like the possibilities very strongly, but more than that, it's just like, I personally don't believe that we can tell the future. Like so many things can change. And my recommendation is to give that part of yourself that heard that like a lot of love and do, you know, I always love inner child work for this kind of thing when fears come up or, or disappointments or something like that, where it's just like, yeah, that really sucked to hear. Um, But what do you really feel like talking to the, you know, adult, the inner parent part, like, okay, check in, like, does your intuition really tell you that it's a good job, a good thing? Yeah, it really does. Okay. So like, this is really what's important. And, mm-hmm. you know, to keep giving it up to the light and just like any fears, give it up to the light, but honor that part of you that feels scared or frustrated about it, give it love. And then just keep listening to your intuition about it. Um, Even with stuff like you know, this back in the, astro- we were listening to the astrology with the inauguration and it seemed like, oh my God, ter- like everybody could die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way Mars was inciting Uranus and all of that, but like that didn't happen. So it, it's really like, well, what did happen if you were to look at it that day, you might feel like, oh, you felt a little ornery or things felt a little cagey or whatever, but then people took um precautions and things so we're done so the point is like anytime you feel like some kind of ominous thing I would just definitely go into your intuition check with that that knows more than any cartography chart yes I agree with that so um so I don't know about astrocartography do you like I haven't studied it or anything no Uh, so just want to preface that with this that maybe I would love it but I, <laughs> I do not love when astrology like like that kind of reminds me of when people are like oh Scorpios shouldn't date like whatever oh and yeah like totally yeah but where it's like really so now there's like all these people that you shouldn't date yeah. like that I don't like that like I just me feel either. like there's not it's too limiting so I don't I, I don't know I feel like that it I would maybe shift it into being empowered. Like, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. And I'll show that astrocartographer. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, if you really feel joy about it, then do it. But it yes. reminds me, do you ever, did you ever see that Twilight Zone with William Shatner? That was no. that old one in black and white. 
No. No. About the, it I was like seen any Twilight I recommend zones. everybody to watch this Twilight Zone and all Twilight Zones, but this mm. one <laughs> in this specific case is so it was such a great um way to describe this dynamic where it was like William Shatner and this woman were stranded at this diner where there was this on the table there was like a little thing that gave them their fortune and the fortunes kept being right mm. but then they started to get scared because this fortune started to get scary but mm. then they turned it like William Shatner turned around like I am not gonna be a slave to this <laughs> fortune telling thing and it's like I feel like that we can also do that as magical practitioners that when we start like we can love to feel whenever it's empowering we use these tools but whenever the tools start to feel like they're not empowering us anymore or they're scaring us or they're limiting us then we have to remember like I am the magical one here I get to create yes. my reality I get to follow my intuition if these tools are serving me then I get to use them and if they're not I don't have to you know That's right I really feel that especially with anything predictive like even with yeah. tarot it's like it's so subtle for instance like I remember a little while ago there I um had this reading a tarot reading from my friend who was like oh this is gonna be a hard year for one of my kids in school and then I was like oh Jesus I was so oh, yeah. dis I felt so bad about it but then when I look back at that year first of all they had a great year um second of all um I can see what it meant just like in the subtleties like there were some subtleties there were things to work through but when if I look back on it in the future if I if I were trying to future predict like they did then it feels really ominous and terrible when in fact it's just like these little subtle things that are slightly challenges you know what yeah. I mean? yeah any future predicting it's just too it's not in my opinion, of fine art. Maybe there's really people who can see into it, but I feel like there's too many possible futures. Yeah, and where is the empowerment, too, in being like, yeah. oh, it's going to be a bad year, or you're going right. to hate it there. It's like, really, that's it? That's all you've got? Like, it couldn't well, be like you're going to yeah. learn something or well, you no. potential to expand? Here's the thing is, yes, there is that part of it. But for me personally, when I hear future things that are – I mean, this may come from my – Jewish ancestry I'll just blame it on that but like if I hear any kind of negative thing I'm like well it's over <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? like if I see any kind of like in the future something possibly challenging happen I'm just like well I don't see how I'll navigate that one or <laughs> <laughs> when actually I actually am very good at navigating challenges yeah. but for some reason because when I hear about the future it feels like this thing like you're right a disempowering thing that I am giving my power to when mm -hmm. I'm when I'm empowered which is in real day-to-day -day life I know I can handle anything but yeah. hearing news of a weird future feels like it's disempowering mm -hmm. yeah I mean and then you can always tap into it too and if you're like oh wait you know what maybe I don't want to move to that part of England right now then and that's authentic to you then great but yeah but if you really want to and you feel yeah. like motivated to and it feels expansive and joyful yes. and energizing yes. to think of it then do it yes yes which it sounds like it 100 percent does so yeah good luck on your travels yeah let us know how it is fun. i don't know why you're leaving canada though huh <sighs> i would but love England to live to yeah really great yeah i know but canada just so much great about it over there.
I keep trying to talk to Ted about that, but he says it's very cold. Yeah, I don't mind cold. I mean, it's cold where I am, too, so I don't know. Right, exactly. I don't know why that's Ted's excuse. What's his problem? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Now it's time for the energy report. Okay, we did it. All right, I feel like we've been talking for quite a while, so I'll try to keep it slightly short. But the energy report is the trend that ironically I'm seeing ahead for the week. But like I said, it's like a feeling that I'm feeling into for the week. And it's never going it's to be everyone. Empowering. Yeah. It's not, the, energy report is, the energy report is always empowering. But I also genuinely never feel into the week ahead like, well, we're fucked. <laughs> Which is what. It kind of feels like with that report, you know? Yeah. Um, there's just so many. I know I'll stop talking about that question, but there's just so many subtleties when you're looking into the energy of the far future, even a, even a month ahead. There's just so many energies at play. It's very nuanced. It's, it's and not. And potentials. Yes. And, and actual probably realities. I mean, that's right. The, on the quantum level. That's right. hundred percent. Okay. So anyway. This week in my future telling report, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's where I take in the information from my clients from the last few days, as well as the astrology for what I'm feeling into for the week ahead. And what one thing that has been coming up over and over is this need to claim our own energy, to claim our own power, to take our power back. I just like this question, actually. Um, take our power back from anywhere that we have been giving it away and really claiming like, hey, I have a right to be here in my energy. I chose to come here in this body and this time, and I have a right to take up this space. So it's kind of a one-two punch of clearing out the energies of other people that you may have taken on or other situations or even maybe lifetimes of old patterns that haven't served you and really staking a claim in today's present time that you're here, you're here for it, you're here to, you know, experience yourself. So one thing I would do is just my good old vacuuming Um, recommendation is the first part, which is to take a gold vacuum. Imagine it's vacuuming out all of anything in your space that you don't want um, around your aura, especially what I'm really seeing right now is like the outsides of the aura, like the layers. There's a lot of layers um, that have maybe gotten gunked up. So you could even imagine them like lifting off in layers and then the vacuum comes and vacuums that up. My cat, Greg, agrees with that. Um, <laughs> and then also don't forget underneath your um, your feet, the bottom part of your aura, the whole thing. Just vacuum it all up, explode it, and call your energy back to you. And then we're going to go back to ownership cords, which I haven't talked about in a long time. But ownership cords are four cords that, well, there's four there's actually eight cords, but four of them, they all sit in your um, crown chakra at the top of your head. And you can imagine four of them going up to like the corners of your aura. And then the another four going to the bottom. Your aura doesn't actually have corners, but you know, the if they did, the four bottom Like parts. the four corners of the globe. 
Yeah, that kind of thing. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so just <laughs> figurative corners. Yeah. So you can kind of take them in there and then just sort of notice like, oh, like pick, you can picture a situation um, that you've been feeling disempowered by. Like, let's take our our um, listeners question, like the car, that cartog- cartography chart. Like you can see like, oh, do my own- ownership cords kind of go over there? And just gently bring them back to your aura. And then you can explode that cartography chart just to send it back to where the energy needs to go. Yeah. Boy, when I just did that, I felt like there might be some of her mother's energy or some kind of uh. mother energy involved over there. Um, anyway, so then <laughs> um, you might get information. You probably will get information as you do this. So that was an example of that. Um, so... Yeah, so those two things, just vacuuming out, saying hello to your ownership cords. You can do this in the, you know, morning and night or whenever you're kind of feeling disempowered, just call your ownership cords back to you. Um, this is reminding me of our conversation with Louise, too. Oh, yeah, which part? Oh, just like. Like being in your body. Like, I am I mean, I'm thinking about my yeah. situation at the Pagan Gathering, like yes. my ownership cords of my aura. As I'm connecting with what's authentic to me and what isn't. Yes, that's right. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good place to do it. You can also own the room as well. Just add more cords and put them, like if you were at that gathering, put them in the four corners of the room and the bottom corners um, so that you can just, that's like owning the space from your empowerment. You're not taking away from anyone else's ownership. You're just owning it from your place of center. And then the last thing I just want to say real quick is my guides have been showing me a lot in meditation, this thing about like lift, opening my eyes. And this feels like a universal thing that can, people can work on. Like there's some kind of like eye opening happening. I feel like I may have talked about this, I don't know, last week, but it feels very Aquarian, like this new way of looking at things and this um, like eye op- opening your eyes to new ways and new possibilities and new ways of being mm. um and how they show it to me is just like they actually kind of have been doing it for me just like lifting layers of energy up to make my eyes more open and like feeling light coming through my eyes um so that's something else that you may want to experiment with just like flooding your eyes with light to feel, um, to see new possibilities. And as I mentioned before, it's this potent new moon. So that might be helpful too, as you make intentions this week to think about like new possibilities and, and doing it from a place of clear energy. Yeah. A whole lunar new year too. Yeah. 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 New cycle, new earth cycle. Yeah. So, um, what I want to, so yeah, anyway, also, just FYI, I am doing that in my class on boundaries. I'll be leading a meditation at the end where we clear out our space. And cool. so you may want to do that. All right. So that is it. Okay. So now it's time for practical magic. Okay. So I really, if you hadn't already noticed this or guessed this, I love the Lunar New Year. <laughs> I love it. It's so, it's so, because so Western astrology, the astrology we normally talk about on the show is um, about the cosmos and uh, Chinese astrology is about the cycles of the earth and then, and the moon. 
And so I love that feeling. It's a different feeling to me than like the sun sign changing or the moon sign changing. It's like a new cycle. It's like you can feel it in your body. It's just, and it it just always feels so hopeful to me and so refreshing. So we're moving out of the year of the metal rat and we're moving into the year of the metal ox. Mm. So this year, I'm looking at my 2021 year, most magical year yet planner here. It's not um, too late to get it if you want it. It's yeah, only February. You can, yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Um, this is, so the Aquarius new moon is on February 11th, which is Thursday. Mm-hmm. So usually the lunar new year is the day after the new moon, but I do feel like the cycle starts at the new moon. Mm-hmm. But on February 11th, uh, you could do a cleansing ritual to, it's a new moon is powerful anyway for cleansing, and you could do a ritual to release, you could also do it on Wednesday actually, the dark moon, take a bath or take a shower, set the intention, you could burn sage around yourself, set the intention to release old patterns, like how Natasha was talking about releasing old patterns and old family patterns. Um, and anything from the past cycle, which would be 2020 mm-hmm. mostly, uh, you wanna, you don't want to move into the lunar new year with. You just want to yeah. let it go. And then on the 12th, um, that's Chinese New Year, and I'll read to you about the energy of the metal ox from my planner. Um, the year of the metal ox brings a grounded, stabilizing energy to the year. This is a year when we feel inspired to work faithfully and methodically to reach our goals and generate wealth. While we may be extra stubborn in the year of the ox, we will also be fair, patient, and generous with our time and attention. The metal element swirled into the mix can cause us to be more opinionated and forceful than other ox years. The upside of the presence of the metal element in this ox year is crystal clear self-expression and whip smart intelligence. To bless and welcome the year of the metal ox, light a red candle and write out your goals for the year ahead. Be sure to write each one in the present tense as if already true. Then inwardly vow to move steadily toward these goals by taking concrete, inspired action steps toward them almost every day. Rejoice and feel gratitude toward yourself and the universe for supporting the manifestation of these goals. Also inwardly vow to speak your truth this year clearly and with love, to be yourself fully, and to stand up for the causes you care about without apology. I like it. Feels like it, like a lot of the stuff we talked about already. Yeah, it really, we're in line this week. Mm-hmm. And even last week, we were talking about methodically moving toward your oh, goals. Yeah. I feel like we were kind of like feeling that already. Yeah, yeah, and with this new moon too and the new lunar cycle. And the authenticity we talked about and even that opening your eyes thing that you had, oh, like that yeah. crystal clear, you know, perception. That's, yes. That is the metal element in oh in um you know the chinese cosmology all right was that were that was it it? that's it Mm -hmm. that's all you're gonna get well from that part okay (laughs) let's uh pick our cards but first let's do our housekeeping which means you can find us at magic monday podcast 
gmail.com and you can ask us a question on there. We haven't had a voicemail in a while. Someone should call us. Why not? Ask us a question on there. 828-333-7181. 828-333-7181. Maybe no one's calling because I'm saying it like that, but I'm doing it for Tess. She wants me to do it that way. No, you don't think so? Okay. <laughs> Um, also, you can find us at Magic Monday Podcast Listeners on Facebook. It's a nice group there. You can find us at Magic Monday Pod on Facebook and Man- Magic Monday Podcast on Instagram. And you can find me at highestlighthealing.com. You can schedule a session with me there or yeah, sign up for my inner child healing waitlist or the newsletter. You get free meditations when you do that. And on Instagram and Facebook at Highest Light Healing. Now your turn. <laughs> you can find me on my website at TessWhitehurst.com, which is where you can find a lot of free spells and rituals and magic 101 type stuff in meditations, guided meditations. And you can sign up for my newsletter there too. And you can find me on Instagram at Tess4444, on uh, Twitter at Tess Whitehurst, on Facebook at Tess Whitehurst Author, and on YouTube at Tess Whitehurst. And I also want to mention that I have been sending out an email to our Magic Monday podcast email list on Monday mornings to remind you when a new episode comes out. And I have been putting the images of the cards that we draw. So if you want to see the images and get a reminder in your inbox on Monday morning, go to magicmondaypodcast.com. And it also and has all the for... links to the show, too. Yeah. Yeah. All the stuff we talk about, the cards, mm-hmm. decks we use, and all of that at magicmondaypodcast.com. Okay. Right. So what are you drawing from today? I'm going to do the same deck. I'm in the mood for this deck. Mystical Shaman Oracle. Okay. What about you? I'm going to shuffle while you pick. Okay. I already drew my card, and it's from the Magic of Flowers Oracle, which is my deck that I wrote. And um, you can get it on Amazon and on my site. And um, I drew Poppy, which is Mm. sleep on it. So Ah. it's really about rest, which I have. I do feel like... February is a time when we start to feel more energy, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. It's like you can tell the days are getting longer. Um, but it is a time to remember to, it's like to to recharge too. So, mm. and as we move toward the end of the moon cycle and start a brand new cycle, making sure that you get enough rest, not just sleep, but also um, taking just time to maybe take a walk outside or meditate or Watch your favorite show. Like, working is great, but remember to rest also. Well, that's interesting because I got the corn. And it says corn represents the mother of sustenance and tangible abundance. This symbol represents material prosperity in the world of form that provides stability and sustenance to many. There is more than enough. You planted a beautiful field of dreams and worked hard. Even in moments when you were losing faith, you continued. Now the spirit of the corn comes to honor this and show you a bountiful harvest. This is the time to reap the rewards of hard work and trust, whether those rewards are financial or the kind of prosperity measured in quality rather than quantity. You are so blessed when this symbol appears. Don't forget to share your good fortune. Hmm. It's a nice one. Yeah, so appreciating how far you've come and all that you already have. 
Yeah. And then right. that gets helps you get into the vibration, the magnetic vibration. When we rest, when we recharge, when we appreciate what we already have, we get into a naturally magnetic, attractive state, which is yeah. an important dynamic in magic. And also when we release what isn't serving us consciously, when we consciously do that, like say no to what isn't serving us, like we talked about too, then we can bring in this harvest. Yeah. yeah that's doing the work. Yeah. And in the Southern oh. Hemisphere, that's perfect too. Yeah, that's true. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate you. Brightest blessings. There was a dead seal, like a big dead seal right on the beach.